2: A Brighton Rock podcast post-match special that we've done for quite some time. I think the last one of these was West Ham away when we're all going to stadiums. I've got with me the gents, Raymond Wright. I've got Alistair from Manchester. How are you doing, Mr Jones? All right? Yeah, good. And all the way from Switzerland, we've got making, I think, your debut. It's tipsy Tim Palmer. How are you doing, Tim?
1: Hey, very good. Thanks,
2: Russell. Excellent. We're just going to have a quick chat about the game. Nil, nil. Again, away at Chelsea, another team in blue that we've got to draw against. Four draws. Let's get rid of all these games and have a Euro Super League, shall we? Or maybe not, as has been the news today. <laughs> we'll maybe have a quick word on that in a second. Views on the game first. Should we go with you first, Tim? Because I know you haven't got long with us post-match here. Um, what did you make of it?
1: Oh, well, um, it was uh, a quite odd game to watch, actually. From from, what, from my perspective, I don't know if there's something about the camera angle, but the, the ball was bouncing around. People were falling over all over the park. And it, it seemed to me it was a game of a lot of mistakes, actually. Both sides yeah. making mistakes in their own half, people falling over when they shouldn't fall over. Some really great cutting runs from both teams. I mean, clearly Chelsea were on top for most of the game. Um, but we did come on strong in the second half of both halves. Um, and obviously, at the end, nearly did a, our own version of Smashing Grabs that we've suffered from. So uh, it, it was fun to watch, but not the highest quality game, uh, I would say.
2: Yeah, I'd go, go along with that, I think. hanister um, what, what was your take on it? Did you go along with that as well?
3: Yeah, I... I suppose the danger is it kind of validates everything that some of those clubs that have been trying to break away have said that, um, you know, you play a team like Brighton and it's not the most interesting game midweek. But actually, uh, you kind of look at the chances, particularly in the second half, there was a lively kind of uh, three or four minutes where we had maybe three or four chances at goal there. We hit the woodwork and, you know, there, there was enough to kind of keep us interested but at the same time yeah not not the best game um but we did have a number of chances you look at our possession normally we play normally we win more when we have lower possession we only have 36% possession uh, compared to Chelsea's um sort of 64 but actually we didn't do any didn't do a great deal with it we had more shots than they did we didn't have as many on target as they did so yeah uh, it's one of those things isn't it
2: yeah Well, speaking of stats, Raymond, I think you might have a few match stats for us in a second. The most important one of the lot is, I think we've got our first ever point at Stamford Bridge, haven't we? (laughs) Certainly in the Premier League era. Um, We didn't get our first goal, I think it would be, but we got the goldest draw. Decent point, keeps us seven clear of danger. Happy with that overall? And and what are your stats that you've got brandished over there?
0: Well, I think actually the the most interesting one is that uh, our, our passing out, which is normally around 81 82 percent, was down at that's a sort of around 76. And there were too many times when we were just trying to be over elaborate with our intricate short passing. But to be fair to mm. Chelsea, they'd obviously sussed us out, and they were you know, we'd do one short pass to somebody and do another, and then they would intercept the third. And, and we, the number of times in the first half, the, the sort of around the 20 30 minute mark, that we were passing to the Chelsea player rather than the Brighton <laughs> was disappointing. Um, having said that, you know, the, the best chances all of the game fell to us, the ones that we mm-hmm. created uh, Alistair has, has mentioned that we hit the post well back with a, a, a brilliant shot. He clearly beat the keeper. Um, missed one. Lalana missed another where he really should have got it mm-hmm. on target. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Lana got another one which which was on target and but too close to the keeper. So um, all in a, as you said Alistair, three or four minutes spell. So it's um, I think actually I felt it in some ways It's the most disjointed Brighton performance for some time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but I don't think it's helped by two players coming back in who haven't played for some time one of whom had about three minutes eight days ago but otherwise hadn't played Devon Byrne and uh, Webston who really took a good 25 minutes to even get up to the pace of the game so I, they'll both be the better for that game and it, it was actually played at a pretty frantic pace uh, which went, you know, it isn't always the, the style so you know, I thought a resilient performance from the Albion And uh, I thought we defended well. Uh, And Sanchez, Mm. I thought, uh, commanded his box. And yet another clean sheet for him.
2: Yeah, I I think somebody's TV, I can still hear a noise from somewhere. I don't know if we can turn that down, whoever that is. But um, yeah, I I agree with you, Raymond. I think, Tim, you were talking about um, something along those lines, weren't you, with Webster really struggling with his touch. And he looked a bit unconvincing at first. He's not
1: Matt Sharp, obviously, is he? I must admit, I didn't pick up the speed of the game. Uh, actually that's a good point, it was it was played at a pace and probably that's why there were people falling over and making mistakes there was a lot of first touch mistakes on both sides um, I thought in the second half Webster started to surge forward in the way that he used to and there was a couple of times where he really came and took a ball and moved, you know went forward 20-30 yards really fast and almost made something um, yeah. and, and I thought oh here he is he's back and actually do you know one of the things that was funny was the um, the dunk was kind of anonymous for a lot of the game, which is actually not a bad thing, right? He was there anchoring while Webster and a little bit of White um, went a little bit forward doing their pivot thing. Um, So that was good. One other thing I would say is, I don't know if this is the the reason for the the pass, a lot of long balls, much, much more long balls than I've been used to. I mean, the keeper's, putting a lot of long balls up. And that was obviously a tactic to try and get it up to the front man. Um, But it wasn't working. And there were a couple of times where Big Dan Byrne did manage to get his head on it. Actually, his heading was a bit better than before. But it didn't come to anything much.
2: Yeah. Well, Dan Byrne was an emotive subject, wasn't he? I mean, the debate debate goes on about him. Um, We're now nicknaming him the Giraffe, I think. (laughs) To go along with El Pantera, the Panther, uh, Bobby Sanch. What what did you make of the Giraffe, Alistair and and Tim? Um, Because Raymond's not a fan, (laughs) to say the least, having heard him on Zoom Terrace chats over the last few weeks. What, what, What do you guys make of him? I don't know who wants to go first, Astro or Tim, uh, either of you guys.
3: I, I suppose he has a bit of inconsistency, doesn't he? And, and yeah, the fact <laughs> yeah. that he, he just hasn't had that match, um, that, that match experience recently. So that's going to be a challenge for him. And I, I was just sort of in one of those corners towards the end of the second half. I was just waiting for him to get his head over that uh, in the same way that you'd kind of expect someone. Uh, it always to be said as well, as Peter Crouch, another tall player, uh, although he was a striker, he should have had a lot more goals from headers, uh, but but that is what it is. And I suppose, uh, just sort of coming back into the game, he'll get that match fitness and that awareness to, to become match ready. Uh, maybe that was also the reason why Ben White was a bit exposed, which is why he ended up getting two yellows. Uh, and obviously, we're now going to miss him for Sheffield United as a result of that red. Um, and But fortunately, it was late enough in the game they didn't put us under too much pressure. So we were quite fortunate there, I
1: think. Oh, well, White really yeah. took one for the team at the end there, didn't he? Because mm. that was... Was it dangerous? I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing, and uh he knew. He getting, he, I think he'd even walked like a cricketer before the yellow came out.
3: Yeah. Although there were two covering him, so I suppose he didn't have to do it, but he just wasn't sure that they would get there in time. And yeah. and again, he knew that he could do it. And yeah, I suppose that was he was well, lighting up in the game.
0: Coming back on on that is that I think the, the problem with Dan Byrne, he really isn't a left wing back, and his he hasn't got quick feet, and they were. I do, I think if you're going to bring Burn into it, you can't keep just doing little short passes back to him. And that particular incident that led up to White's second yellow you know, was they were playing on the left thing and they were doing little passes back to Burn. And eventually, Burn misplaces, miscontrols, and the next moment they've got across the other side of the field mm. in both place. And as Russell, I think you said at the, at the time this looks dangerous. And then mm. White White took him out. If they hadn't overplayed Burn, uh, I felt, and used him too much, I don't think we necessarily would have lost the ball, and therefore White wouldn't have got the card. So the consequences of one action, you reap the dividend of it yeah. five or six seconds later. I think, you know, Burn, I think, is okay as the central, you know, the, the left-hand side were three. I just don't think he's a left wingman. You know? I like but, that,
3: Raymond. What? That you're almost saying there, Raymond, is you reap what you sow, isn't it? And, and, uh, and, 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 and again, we're coming back to the news that happened uh, with the match. And in some way, the match was a little bit after the Lord Mayor's show, wasn't it? With all of the all of the yeah. protests outside the ground and the, and the players getting uh, delayed, getting even into the ground. So I don't know what effect that had on the players and their mental approach to the yeah. performance. The game well. was
2: delayed 15 minutes for anyone that didn't know. Um yeah, due, due to the Chelsea protests outside, um, which, as you said, are after the Lord Mayor's show. We'll come on to uh, Euros very briefly in a moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, Byrne is, is... I think he's he's doing the best he can. He's, I think he's at the top of his game, isn't he? I think he, he just has certain limitations. And I don't know if we can expect any more from him. I think he is doing all he can do. And I think, I think- he's... Uh, a worthy addition to the squad, but the fact that he's getting a lot of game time is partly due to injuries. Whether he would feature if we had a um, a better range of options is another matter.
0: Probably be there, but it's. I I think you're right about him being sort of at the top of his game, and I. And to be fair to him, as Tim pointed out, he's you know he hasn't matched up. Sure. Um, mm. You know he's you know he he hasn't played for a long time, so he, you know he. It, it, and it was towards the end of the game the incident that I'm talking about. So, you know, in another circumstances, would he have been subbed, um, mm. or, or could he have been subbed? Um, might it have been more sensible to have brought um, Motor on for Burn rather than Motor on for Warbeck for example? The yeah. uh, question mark. It'll so, be interesting to see who starts uh, just at the weekend. Point, point with his headers. He actually doesn't have much of a leap, and he's the only person yeah. six foot seven. When he goes to head and ball gets smaller. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: well, I commented. It's you know we should at least be able to beat the first man when you've got Dan Burn in there yeah. <laughs> in, in in attack. But yeah, which
0: we didn't in in that corner, <laughs> anyway. But exactly. But, but really resilient performance, I thought. And, oh yeah. You know, first point as you put. At Chelsea, you know we we haven't got a good record there, and
1: yeah. uh, you know this is a,
0: at least a hundred percent improvement on our.
1: I, best I think uh, uh, so. Something yeah. something you said beforehand, well, the, the defensive display was super. Yeah. they they had fewer yeah. shots than us in the end. Um, I I really did think that when Giroud came on, I thought, oh my god, you know this is he's going to do it because I'm watching in French, right? Uh, and being in Switzerland. And there's never so much excitement as when Morpé and Giroud came on. Oh, he, he, they, they're talking in French. And then they say, yeah, he is. <laughs> in English. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just thought he was going to do it. But the defence, I mean, there was one opportunity there at the end. But um, the defence were pretty solid. And um, and then behind them, of course, you've got big Bobby Sanchez. And those hands, phew,
2: yeah, they're great, aren't they? Yeah. I think he was given man of the match for us, wasn't he? Oh, cool. For our side of things, yeah. And, um, and rightly So, um, I do think that um, I, think, I think those are all good points just made there. One thing we've got to mention before we just quickly move on to the, uh, the Euro Super League thing is one other point, Danny Welbeck. Oh, it's a creditable draw. It's our first draw. It's another clean sheet. Bobby Sanchez really racking those up, isn't he? Which is great. But it could have been even better, couldn't it? Mm -hmm. Danny Welbeck, with a cracking shot, hits the post. The shot rebounds. um, It's blocked pretty well, actually, by the looks of it, from the defender. And then eventually a third attempt, which is saved by the goalie. Mm -hmm. That was an exciting moment. We thought we were going to snatch it there, didn't we, boys?
1: Inside of the post as well. I thought,
0: having seen Welbeck beat keeper, I thought it was going in.
1: And, and to steal yeah.
3: Raymond's stats as well, that was the 15th time we've hit the post this season. I think, you know, certainly we should get an invite to the, the Super League for the number of times we've hit the post.
2: <laughs> Just well, the 15, eh? Well,
0: actually, I think if you hit the post, you ought to get at least half a goal.
3: That's not a bad idea, but it's still off target. It half still doesn't count as a shot post. on target. That's the thing, is it? <laughs> so it. it's a, it's a, a shot goal. off target, but but close but no cigar. Yeah.
0: Alistair, if you remember... Uh, the season we got promoted after we clinched it against Wigan at home, we went up and we played Norwich. Norwich, yeah, I knew you were going to come to this. And uh, (laughs) uh, uh, and Norwich had absolutely no shots on target and scored two goals. (laughs) uh, Well, we scored two goals, technically.
3: (laughs) I still remember the time we went to Liverpool and we scored more goals than them and they won (laughs) 6-1. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's mathematically still very possible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true, But and that was before Dunk's, we were...
2: Dunk's own goal that day was flair, wasn't it? He juggled yeah, yeah. it into the net with Brazilian yeah. audacity. I loved it.
0: I mean, the thing about Dunk dunking, he never hit the ground the whole time. He kept the ball in the air. Yeah, yeah. that's Absolutely. quality for you. Ball control. He went and Southgate
2: ball. chooses no. to ignore this talent. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so he's come on in leaps and bounds since then. And he's a great player. And... Steering the conversation with no segue that I can think of, so I'm I'm just going to go clumsily into it. The European Super League is crumbling around us. We just did a special yesterday, Josh and I. um, Josh from the Together BHA podcast. And no sooner have we put that out um, in the middle of today, we come to tonight, um, Tuesday night, and it seems to be crumbling to pieces. (laughs) uh, Chelsea, followed by Man City, and also a broad... Atleti and Barca all appear to be on the brink of pulling out, or they've formalised their plans to do so. There's rumours that others might be following suit. Juventus, have, apparently their chairman, has been forced to resign. This is the man who um, the UEFA head called a snake. <laughs> I think it was. Um, yeah. And also... The um the Intervalan on that matter, the Intervalan chairman or internationale as we should call them, um, he was referred to as Judas by his his opposite number, Torino's chairman, when mm-hmm. they met at the weekend, which is great. But anyway, um, yeah, Juventus of the chairman's resigned. There's a lot of pressure on my favourite person in all of football, Florentino Perez, and I do say that with the absolute utmost of arch sarcasm. Um he's on the brink of resigning. The Glazers, there's rumours they might be cashing in. Um, Woodward. And Ed Woodward, a Man United, yeah. who was going to leave at the end of the season, has resigned, well, yeah. sort of resigned, today. Yeah. It's <laughs> gone, well, friend, right?
3: Yeah. Friends of mine in Manchester call Woodward the head of the snake, basically. Yeah. He is the most despised person of Man United fans because of yeah. the way that he, um, yeah, the way that, that the club's been run uh, and they view sort of the venom that comes out from Generally, the Glazers is, is is generally yeah. um, channeled through Woodward.
2: Yeah, I mean, he seems to do well financially to a degree, but he's awful football-wise, isn't he? That seems to be the general thrust. Um, either way round, he's, yeah, he's enemy of the people. All of these people involved in the... well the Dirty Dozen as we call it the Dirty Dozen League all of those people are enemies of football complete and utter they're complete scum as far as I'm concerned I'm absolutely delighted this is crumbling around them and I hope they come back with their tails between their legs and I still think Raymond who I mentioned on the last podcast about this Super League your idea of relegating them to to League 2 let's do that anyway let's get them all down in League 2 as a punishment for the audacity to even think of leaving
3: just, yeah, it, well, it should be uh, at least a transfer Just ban for... and not able to recruit into their academies because th- th- that the, these clubs go around they sniff and they take all that they they cream all of the best for themselves and actually uh, mm-hmm. yeah th- there needs to be some kind of punitive action taken against them because otherwise they'll do it again as they did with, like the suggestion last year of that the the power grab of the big picture um all, all yeah. of those different things that they oh. you know, they keep proposing because there will be another test- another one like this in a year yeah they're time testing we'll the
2: water like aren't they. Them.
3: They're testing yeah. the water,
2: seeing what they can get away with. They're pushing the boundaries like a like a child with with a family for the first time. They're seeing what they can get yeah. away with, what the boundaries yeah. are, and we, as the parents of football, need to stamp them back down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not literally, because I mean, that would be. I mean,
0: easier. I agree with Alistair totally. I think some sort of sanction has to be has to be passed. I know everybody has freedom of speech and this, that, and the other. It, it, one thing, if they had you got together and say we are proposing this yeah uh, yeah you know, for, for the following reasons because we just don't think what has been proposed is satisfactory and we think we could come up this will be a superior model in our view and we would like to debate it yeah and the seven people signing the petition for a debate that i could understand but to actually just announce a big deal um i think it's thinking, and. and Half of the problem is one feels it's driven by sort of American sort of money. Mm. J.P. Morgan's backing it. Well, yeah. if J.P. Morgan's have got so much spare money lying around, why don't they just give it to grassroots football instead <laughs> for a change into the poorer nations, you know, divert the money, the three plus billion that they were going, all the money they were going to give, and give it to African nations and uh, South Pacific nations, et cetera, and, and let the poor nations of the world have a proper football investment.
3: That's because that's not what, what they, venture capitalists do. I mean, uh, was going to say, it doesn't money sound greedy basically. enough to me, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I what... completely agree with you, Raymond. I think that would be wonderful yeah. if they were, but they're, they're in it to make money, uh, and, and that's what venture capitalists are all about.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, funnily enough, if they did that, they might make even more money, ironically. I mean, it's I, I heard one thing. I think it was uh, uh, the... Uh, guy who, who was temporarily manager of, I'm trying to think of his name uh, manager of Chelsea at one stage uh, is raised could card. be a m- number of people oh, um, Abraham <laughs> and, Grant Abraham he, one of the things he's saying he was against it was the fact that hmm. well perhaps you know they, they make a big contribution towards football perhaps you know, we'll be able to, to come to a compromise and perhaps they get given more bonuses um, hmm. because they've got more um, fans I, I feel that there is a counter-argument to that, directly opposing. Is because they've got more fans, all they have to do is to say to all that, and apparently Arsenal got about 630 million or something worldwide, uh, for example, you know, we want all our fans, anybody who considers a fan of can you please send us 10 quid? Mm-hmm. And they would raise a hell of a lot of money. The people who actually, ironically, need the money are the, are the poorer clubs, the smaller clubs. So I would be inclined not to give the bonus to the bigger clubs. I'd do it exactly the opposite, to the smaller clubs. So it, yeah. it's, um, they are the people who need it. Because if you the, the smaller clubs go to the wall, if we end up with bankruptcies, League 2, National League, League 1, etc., there won't be any pyramid below the top clubs. And they'll end mm-hmm. up with what they're
1: proposing, <clears> because they'll be, be the only one left i mean i i, I uh, the the thing I, I i am left thinking about this because this does feel like it's fallen apart and i i think I think it's probably inevitable that it will now fall apart. it would be hilarious if it didn't, and then they carried on and um,
0: <laughs> and
1: got expelled and um you know <laughs> and then we can become part of the big six the new big six right but um
2: <laughs>
1: the uh, I i mean, i'd love it. <laughs> I'd love it if they went over there and played with themselves for for a while. But the thing that I, I, what I was feeling on the, yesterday, Monday morning was, I was thinking about it in the car, was how could the, um, the guy that's negotiating the, the the Champions League um, thing, and maybe it was Friday actually. No, no, it would have been Monday. Um, How could that guy have got it so wrong that, 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 these guys would then go out on a completely tangential path and power play them. Because when you're doing a negotiation like that, you need to not have that. I mean, they've got the power play in the back pocket, but it's such a blunt instrument that they pulled out at the last minute. It was so to do with the announcement um, of, the, of the Champions League. And, the, and the, the, the negotiation team for UEFA, whoever it was that was doing that, it's like it must, they must have been kicking themselves. How did they get this so wrong? I judged it wrongly. They've done the power play. Oh, now we've got to seat. But how much more wrong are the 12 clubs, and particularly, particularly the clubs that, that have just come out of it Man City and Chelsea, for thinking, oh, we should get in there just in case it's too late? And then what I'm now thinking is, they, they say they've signed a deal for 23 years. If Chelsea and Man City are pulling out, they haven't signed a deal. Or they've signed yeah. a deal with a small exit clause or something like that. And I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, oh, my God, so bad on the other side of this table. And, and so you've actually, in the end, um, the, the egg probably is on the face of the, 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 the was it EFL um, group. Because yeah. they've misjudged completely and they've misjudged from the perspective of, uh, you know, American business people in a, in a European context. And, and it's uh, really, uh, I mean, it's not the first time that's happened, right? But really, really interesting to see how Europe, for, for Europe, this thing meant more than uh, money.
2: Yeah, I mean, America is very much a very, diff- very different animal to us. There's yeah. a lot of cross-cultural interaction. Yeah. But ultimately, we are psychologically and fundamentally very, very different people, regardless of our shared language. And the American model is embedded into the culture. It's, it permeates through from the college era onwards. That That's what the model is in America. That sim- That model simply doesn't work here. And as American... Wow. Uh, arch-capitalists, they thought they could impress that system in England and the level of reaction um, the level of anger from mm. all parties, from the media from the pundits mm. in general from footballers, from coaches you can see it on the face of Clock when he's interviewed he's not going to mm. say it ostensibly but you can see he's completely against it and mm. uh, we've got Jordan Henderson had arranged a, a meeting with the other 19 Premier League captains yeah. And he's released a statement off the back of about saying we don't like it and we don't want it to happen. This is our collective position, our commitment to this football club and its supporters is absolute and unconditional. The wow. level of anger and opposition yeah. to this is is
1: palpable. It, it, it's yeah. on an incredible thing, scale. If you haven't got the best players, hmm. you haven't got you haven't got the product. They've got to yeah. have the best players, and I, I assume they thought that the money would talk, right? But the, but the money won't talk, not, not, not if you can't play for your country, not if you can't play in the Champions League, not if you can't play in the Premier League. Um,
2: yeah, so they might go oh, on strike in order to maybe still yeah. be able to play. That might be a condition they can get into the internationals. Yeah. It all gets very messy and I think it's quickly become clear that this isn't going to work. There's been an arch arrogance about the way this has been done. It's cynical in the timing, as you said, Tim, absolutely. Um, Um, It's shown a grotesquely large level of avarice and cynicism and apathy to everything that is at the heart of football culture, particularly in England, where these six of these 12 clubs are from, but in, in general as well. And... They've they've fallen short, and I'm absolutely loving watching them fall on their sword. As you said, I mean, if they, yeah, if they keep being stubbornly and yeah. digging their heels in for now, yeah, that's yeah, going brilliant. to work brilliantly for me. Especially if it's
3: Spurs. <laughs>
2: yes, Spurs. <I> mean, <laughs> what the hell are Spurs doing in, the, in that six? What have they done? <laughs> Sorry, I know <laughs> I have some Spurs fans listening to this. You guys must be must be. <laughs> I don't know whether <laughs> you're laughing or crying. You haven't, you know, you've never won the Champions League. You've barely won a trophy. I mean, we've won as many trophies as you have, albeit lower league. Um, are you serious? <laughs> what are you doing at the top table, to be honest?
0: <laughs> really? You know? Can I just put one point? When was the last time that the Albion and Palace were actually singing totally from the same hymn shoot?
2: Yeah, wait, this is brilliant. It's united everyone, is not it, Raymond?
0: Um, yeah. in, in
2: the way that so many others haven't, you've even got Boris Johnson making comments about football. What's going on there? He's got no interest in sports, as far as I'm aware, apart from rugby tackling children, of course. But um... uh, I mean,
0: the, the all-party committee on football, uh, you know, the, the, the committee is all-party, they're unanimously against this. And uh, it would be you know, if they thought that they couldn't do anything, they simply can remove stop people having visas coming into this country. It's a very yeah. simple. And you know, if nothing else, what I would have done uh, in the next Finance Act, I just would have whatever money they received from JP Morgan, I would have taxed at 100%. I have special little clause in the bill: any money that comes to anybody in in the European Super League that is loaned to them or or given to them uh, by JP Morgans uh, will be taxed at 100, 101%. So they're worse off than they were before they got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's over the top, I appreciate. But the point is that the government ultimately can make life very
1: difficult for them. It has, If they wanted to, by legislation. I, I mean, it's such an extreme thing, right? So my, my wife was, was all day listening to the radio and saying, oh God, can't they just shut up about this thing? But I think the thing that that, that isn't understood is the love, right? The love that people have for their club. And I do use that word carefully because... You know, we spend hours on this stuff, debating it, talking about it, laughing about it, doing puns about it. Um, and it's it's not. Yeah, we had um, a good go of
2: to that today, didn't we? Actually? Yeah,
1: it's, it's 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 it is actually more important than life itself <laughs> and all the rest of it. You know, and uh, I think the um, what, what's a, what's an interesting thing to think about is so what could have worked? what was the alternative thing that, where they could have made it work. And the one thing that when I've read all of the stuff, the one thing that everyone started with was closed shop, no relegation. And I do wonder if they had done it in a different way. And that's to Raymond's point about, here's something to talk about, let's open it up for discussion. And if they'd done it in a way where it had relegation and that stuff was talked through, it might have been a different outcome in the end but that was the thing that everybody got wound up about and it's not actually, it's not actually that big a deal because in reality those clubs would be up there most of the time it's just that they wouldn't be the dream
2: yeah and that's very the thing ro- of- very robust statements from everton and brighton yeah. today yeah. Uh, by the way on their websites and both oh, of God. those i mean uh, i'd seek Worth them out God. and read them in detail yourselves later but both of them made a very point, uh, a very pointed point, so to speak, yeah. about the fact that these talks were very secretive, they're very clandestine. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. a very spiky element of both, yeah. the, the tones in yeah. both those statements about that element. That's really got the backs up of the, top four, mm-hmm. of the other 14 on top of the general notion mm-hmm. of doing this. And mm-hmm. I think the, the level of robustness in those statements and no doubt others, and also the process yeah. with Leeds yeah. and Chelsea fans as we've seen yesterday and today, um, the Jordan Henderson statement and various yeah. other things sum it up yeah. perfectly. And can I just flag up, I've got to say Susie Dent, Dictionary Corner on Countdown, yeah. dearly beloved Channel 4 quiz program. She's, she does a Twitter word of the day. And I've got to say, it's always temporal, shall we say. It's always on the, on the pulse. She's made a couple of pretty great ones to do with Donald Trump and various other things. Um, when the announcement was made about this breakaway, she said, uh, Twitter word of the day is ingordigiousness, I think that's pronounced, meaning extreme greed and insatiable desire for wealth at any cost. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, brilliant. You've got to love Susie. Big up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That, 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 Tim, I think you made the point about not actually a what was going on. I think it was, when you're just having meetings on Zoom, you don't pick up, I think, people's body language in quite the same Mm. way. And therefore, had they been meeting face-to-face, I think it would have been harder for them to have been disingenuous in the way they were. But when you're doing it as we are now, uh, I think it is harder to pick things up. Yeah, about
2: hiding your true reaction. Yeah, when someone asks you a
0: question, you can can
2: disguise your reaction more. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Just quickly, Tim, (laughs) as well, because I know you've got to go in a minute. Very quickly... You're in Switzerland. And it's getting quite late over there. So just, just to ask you, the view in Switzerland, how's it been covered? Because over here, it's been wall to wall. People that are not really interested in football have had a lot of interest in this, thinking, oh, what's all this about? It's taken absolute loads of coverage. It's almost like Prince Philip's died all over again, the amount of coverage on one subject. How's I it been to, in Switzerland? <laughs> I hate to
1: disappoint you. I live in a bubble. I live in an international people's bubble. I listen to Radio 5. Oh, no, wonder. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, I had no idea. I have no
2: idea. <laughs> have no idea. And Fair enough. You're in the, Basel.
1: For anyone that's it's, interested it's, to know, by the way, is, aren't you? The other thing is that the, um, you know the, obviously the the close teams to here. I mean Basel possibly, but not this year. But, um, the Germans and the French they're not in, and they're the two close teams to here. And, and, and I think they would be in full support. Yeah. Um, Our of man just, asked. Just because of their, because of their, the cultural affinity and, and whatnot.
2: Yeah. PSG were asked and they turned it down and they do have, they are owned by BN Sports, the same, the same group. So there's um, broadcasting issues around that, but Leon turned them down as well. Mm. Porto, Benfica, um, RB Leipzig, a number of other clubs turned them down. The glass, well, the Sc- Scottish football in general did. Um, it's interesting on that front. But um it's yeah, I I, I find it fascinating that you are know, in the bubble, as you said, you might not know what's going on there, but I'm i finding <laughs> fascinating to know what the other reactions are. No. Well, let me let me find mm.
1: I'm gonna ask I'll ask some Swiss friends to see what they think. But uh, the the um how about just <laughs> let me leave it on this. Let me just leave it on this, right? This is a point against Chelsea away. Yeah. And this thing's crumbling yeah and this is a good, good night, night. this is a very very good night so that's a good way uh, to I'll, leave I'll it, leave it there <laughs> um, brilliant a good
2: point well, that, to- that's a storming debut on a great night to do so tim great to have you with us yeah um so thanks for joining us and um, we'll we'll be in touch again soon fantastic right, take care. cheers 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 tim Alistair, we've also lost by the way he had to drop out So thanks to him also. And just final words from you, Raymond. a quick sum up.
0: Just with the um, ESL, I have a sneaking suspicion that they were going to uh, try and launch their own TV channel. And the reasons for that is part from Sky, distance themselves, BT, that they haven't had any sort of awareness. But Amazon said they were not involved. And I can't think who else They'd either have to go for Netflix, or the alternative is if they launched their own channel, or perhaps yeah. even with a you know sort of far eastern channel or something like that, that you know that might have been something something different. And of course, if they're controlling the broadcasting as well as everything else, is even more money, yeah. So, I, I that, that,
2: everyone's that, closed ranks, did not they? Sky, BT. Amazon all distanced themselves from it. And I was wondering if that would be the key. Obviously, it's all about TV money, isn't it? That's why they wanted to break away. And the fact that these three major players, or potential players in Amazon's case, to a degree, um, to do with football broad- broadcasting, all distanced themselves was a huge seismic shift, I think, along with statements from players and, and the various bits of media and, and other clubs.
0: Um, no. Wonder what the sponsors, you know, the main sponsors for some of the clubs, you know, if they had you know, what their long-term reaction would be, or short-term reaction would be. That you know, would they want their name associated with you know, the, the downside of this from from those clubs? So the, I mean, the Emirates would they be happy with it? For example, um, mm. using the the Arsenal mm. ground sponsors. Uh, so. I don't think we'd even got into looking at you know, how uh, they might react and what pressure they might put on people. Yeah, and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in that regard.
2: Do you think, I mean, clearly these, these people who have instigated this are, are incredibly arrogant and incredibly disregarding of, of anybody's feelings regarding the game. Uh, they're stamping all over British culture and in, in terms of football and the, um, the history, the heritage all of those things, have they underestimated something here?
0: Or is this just a case? By the way, Spurs are formally officially um, going to try to do a certain procedure to withdraw.
2: So Spurs have have been added to the list. So we've got Barcelona, um, we've got Atleti, we've got uh, Manchester City, Chelsea. Uh, We've now got Spurs. That's five. Have we got someone else as well? Have I missed somebody? I think I might be it at the moment, um, but that's five out of the twelve we think. So we've still got Liverpool, Arsenal, and um, Manchester United. Three of the six English teams. Interesting. But anyway, do do you think we've? Do you think they've underestimated the sheer level of anger? I, I, and do you think they they suddenly have realised actually we do care about that, where they previously thought they didn't have to?
0: I thought the Everton statements used. Of the word arrogant was a very good word i yeah. think there is arrogance from probably more than two or three of the uh, individuals driving it like perry's and you know i think somewhere along the line he or, or one or two have got jp morgan lined up and yeah. you know i guess if you're an arsenal or a, a man U, you don't want to be left out of the party so i can mm. understand the temptation um, that they had uh, but they should have perhaps been slightly bigger than that and I think mm. it will be a, a, you know, a black mark and uh, the football uh, fan community as a whole will be deeply suspicious of those clubs in the future I think mm. they've done damage irreparable damage haven't they Yeah,
2: because I mean so, you <laughs> look at all I the people, of, people that
0: have come their out you've got their Sorry, own go own yeah. I think it's their own reputations I think in a funny way the, the, the way that the commu- football community has come together is it will be to the credit of that football community assuming that this idea does die uh, as it looks as if it's going to yeah
2: absolutely everyone really has close ranks haven't they and you, you look at some some of the pundits, I mean the robust statements from people like Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Alan Shearer saying throw them out now you know um Everybody up and down the land, Gary, Gary Lineker in particular was quite animated about it, and, and Gary Neville. Um, but you could you could list a huge number of players, coaches, pundits, media, bods of one sort or another, all just rounding on them. But it's, it's the fact that the active current players, the captains, have come out. You can see it on the face of Jurgen Klopp. You can um, see it on the face of other coaches. You've seen the, the, how roundly they've been... Um, They've been condemned by other clubs up and down the land and abroad. Yeah, it, it was only going to go one way, I thought. But I'm delighted it's gone that way or well, it's going that way so quickly. Raymond, it's been a good night, I think. Um, the Super League, Dirty Dozen League, as I call it, has has is on the brink of collapse. We've got a decent point away at Chelsea. We're seven clear of Fulham, by the way. They've only got five games left. Uh, West Brom, if they win their two games in hand on Fulham, um, would be three above them. So, in other words, if they won one of one game in hand they've got over us, they'd be um, they'd be I think seven behind as well, something like that. Um, are we safe yet? Seven points clear of danger, significant but, goal difference. We've very on cl- What are we on? Thirty four points, thirty six. You reckons is enough, isn't it? I, I think
0: thirty six will be. I mean, thirty seven. I think is absolutely, uh, and I think thirty six will be enough. I've been saying thirty six for. A couple of weeks now, and uh, I still think that thirty-six, because because of our goal difference, anybody else has got to get thirty-seven. Yeah, which is yeah. why I I think thirty-six will be enough. So, and I can't see somebody like Fulham with five games to go. Yes, mathematically, you know, they can get fifteen points, but I can't see them getting uh, more than ten, yeah. uh, or getting ten. And you know, ten would take them to thirty-seven. So I think thirty-six will be enough. I think they, you know, it's possible they pick up a couple of wins and a couple of draws. Mm. Uh, but uh, you yeah. know, I think it's going to be going to be tough. But tonight I thought uh, uh, a resilient, fighting performance, and uh, a very welcome point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and the only,
0: only downside I felt, was white's um, two yellows making the red.
2: Yeah, exactly. I was going to say Ben White or no Ben White. We've got a good chance of beating Sheffield United, I think now, from a relaxed perspective. And if we do so, we're four points behind Palace at the moment. Um, One win would definitely do it in terms of survival. We've got a really good chance to sort stuff out next weekend, haven't we, here? So fingers crossed for that. But a good point today. And Raymond, thank you very much for joining me. I'm going to end this. Sorry, go on. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Interesting times. As Paul Barber said in a reply to an email I sent. (laughs) Oh, right. Well, indeed, absolutely. They are very interesting times.
2: On that note, I'm going to sign off in the usual fashion. Stand or fall up the Albion. So that's the end of our review episode but just as a footnote seeing as this story about the Dirty Dozen League is one that keeps moving all the time. A few other pointers. Um, First of all to clarify now as I'm speaking the day after the game and the day after the collapse of the Super League all six of the English clubs have now withdrawn and there have been some humble apologies posted online by some of those clubs including John Henry of Liverpool. Um, Just to summarise though, um, Paul Barber, he's been excellent. They took their time to get their statement right. They published that. You can see that on the club website. Uh, He's been active. He's been on the BBC News channel yesterday and he's been on BBC Breakfast this morning. Um, He said he's glad that the club's listened to the fans. He said it's been bad news for the sport and it has been a PR disaster for the six clubs that chose to take part in this European Super League. But I think, once again, the football fans in this country have spoken. They've been listened to. And I'm glad to see that all six clubs have withdrawn their membership to the European Super League. He said it's been a PR disaster for the six clubs that took part. And it certainly has been, hasn't it? Um, I think they've, they've grossly underestimated the weight of feeling from the fans. I think they've put themselves in a weakened bargaining position. It must be said, and it's been pointed out by, I think it's Matt Slater um, in the journalistic world, that when all said and done, they've slipped some benefits and concessions passed us all through the UEFA announcement that of course took place yesterday. So there are some extra spaces and opportunities for big clubs and a better deal than they previously had for those big clubs. That goes unopposed pretty much after everything else that's gone on. It's been an interesting time. Um, I think Graham Potter's spoken very well about this as well. He said it's been a tough time. He said it's been disruptive. It's been a very sad time, and it's been very difficult, uh, particularly the last couple of days. And as a result, you know, just as tough as Thomas Tuchel claims it was for his side, so it was for ours. The team coaches, they were held up on the way into the ground by a protest of around about a 1,000 Chelsea fans. All sorts of other shenanigans would have affected things here. But overall, the, p- the point is, they've made an audacious go here, these big six owners to break away they did it with sincerity they intended it they failed they failed miserably and they do need to be held to account and while it is tough on the cl- the players the coaches the fans of all those clubs punishments need to be administered if you break financial fair play punishment is administered if you breach Rules to do with um, fielding ineligible players or anything untoward in ownership, which is accountable, you have punishments to pay. There's plenty of points deductions have been given out to clubs who've gone into administration. Well, these clubs, these big giant clubs, are making these moves to try and quell a financial cesspit they've got themselves into by overspending on an enormous scale. That's what seems to be the case. Seven point one oh four billion in debt. If that's the case, isn't that the equivalent of running badly and going into administration, even if not in actuality? Why shouldn't they be punished? Punishments need to be administered, not only because they've breached the rules by trying to break away from UEFA without going through the formal channels, but also for the fact that they have tried to undermine the very fabric of the game in this country. Again, that's the owners, not the fans, not the players, not the coaches, but it must be held as a deterrent. There has to be a very clear message sent out. What exactly that punishment should be is up to them to decide, and it's debatable amongst all of us fans as to what it should be, but there has to be some punishment put in place to deter anybody from ever trying this again, because it is simply unacceptable. And for my own personal opinion, I would like to see perhaps a sizeable Points deduction for all of the six clubs at the start of next season. That means it wouldn't affect the integrity of the competition this year, which I think is important. By competition, I mean the Premier League, of course, and any other event, any other competitions that are out there. But for next season, knowing in advance what the state of play is. They could start with a points deduction. That's what I would do personally. I know the fans will suffer with that, but Brighton have suffered with that. Other clubs have suffered with that in different ways through other sanctions imposed on them through no fault of their own because of dodgy owners that they've had in the past. So that's what I think would be a fair amount um, or a fair punishment. The amount, I don't know, something like a 20-point deduction, that should just about do it, make it nice and tough for them to get in the Champions League. Let's see how they do with that. Anyway, I leave it in the court of the authorities for football to decide but as i said something has to be done anyway thanks for listening to this footnote to the podcast thanks for listening to the podcast in general if you can rate and review us please do if you're on apple or any other devices that have review facilities please hit the five star button if you can please review us if you can and you can contact the show by uh, either via twitter at Brighton brightonrockpod or email brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and once again, up
1: the Albion.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: OK, round two. Name something that's not
0: boring.
3: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
1: huh?
0: Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.